0: Thanks so much for tuning in. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio. Round the world on the web at and NachholmSegal.com on and the Nachholm Network and of course in the beloved NSN app. Tomorrow on this program, Leia Shapira, who's from a uh, a group of five women who have a um who have a social media presence, a social media handle known as Between Carpools. She's going to be our guest in the 8 o'clock hour. The book is entitled Dinner Done. It's a brand new cookbook. Our friends at Artscroll are responsible for it. As we've been mentioning right now until the 21st of December, all the way through Hanukkah, if you use promo code radio at artscroll.com, it is 20% off and free shipping with no minimum. Yeah, talk about Hanukkah gifts. Artscroll is giving everybody a Hanukkah gift with this promo code. Again, use promo code radio um 20% off free shipping and no minimum on any of the 3000 titles including the brand new books at com. so keep that in mind as we introduce uh today's um book feature uh Naftali Horowitz is with us live via telephone this would qualify by the way his book would qualify for that incredible deal from artscroll now Horowitz is with us live via telephone the brand new book is entitled you revealed a Torah path to a life of success. As a managing director of the nation's largest investment bank, Rabbi Naftali Horowitz has learned a lot about the nature of success. He's from a great rabbinic family. He's also a man with a mission to help Jews in any way he can and help them he does. He's a Magid Shir. He's someone who's very active in Kiruv. He he guides literally tens of thousands of people to a greater understanding of themselves, their challenges, and their hidden potential, both in face-to-face meetings and in his popular lectures. The book is entitled, You Revealed, A Torah Path to a Life of Success. Naftali Horowitz, a pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nacham. What a pleasure to speak to you. I appreciate that very much. Uh, although you cover a lot, Of the answer in the book itself let me start by asking why did you write the book
1: I wrote the book because there was just so much I wanted to teach people in my lectures and when I met with them and just time was of the essence I just couldn't get it all out and I just realized that as life was going on and responsibilities were growing I just needed to create some kind of mechanism to be able to teach people much more than my time allowed. You know, so I took the time that it that I needed to write that book and I think the second reason was is that it was a lot more in me as I write in the book than I knew. A lot more information, a lot more tire, many more strategies that I I just wasn't bringing to the forefront because I hadn't sat down and really contemplated about what was working for the people I was helping and what I was what was working for myself. And in writing the book, I pulled a lot more out than I, than I knew was there.
0: You make it clear uh, that it, on the assumption let, let's operate on the assumption for a moment that this is a, <laughs> that this is a self-help book. Let's, let's, let's assume for a moment that it falls into that category and I think even you'd agree that to an extent uh, you'd have to say that, that it falls into that category. I hope you agree with that. Uh, you, you make it clear in the book that um, that, a, that a book like this that's out there to help people, uh, when, it, when, it's, uh, when it's coming to someone from an approach of Torah, when it's coming to someone with a, uh, with a Torah path, so to speak, as you write on the cover, uh, it is much more valuable than the traditional self-help books that are out there. In fact, I might argue, based on the way you write, that you have very little respect for, for books like that that are not steeped in the Torah tradition. Would that be accurate?
1: So I wouldn't use the word no respect, but I would say the following, that the Rabbani put us on this world to succeed. The Rabbani put us on this world with components that are there to help us succeed. Those components for us Torah Jews are components of a different nature than what traditional secular self-help books are meant to touch, enhance, and align. So the answer is, for a Torah Jew, Torah is the only answer. The Sham Shalom didn't put us on this world to live successfully pulling information from secular sources. Torah is what heals the soul, Torah is what aligns the person, and Torah is what supercharges them. So there are self-help books that are helpful to gain information about certain specific components of successful living. Uh, you know, so if a person has a certain issue, and it's, you know, overcoming a certain idea, um, there, <laughs> there's no question about it. Right. But what this book is trying to achieve is a much deeper component of self the component that really makes us who we are. And for that, we can only turn to the Torah.
0: Understood. All right, so th- so if you find out that someone has more self-confidence or has changed their life or has gone about personal relationships differently based on books that are out there, that would not shock you. There are people that are telling good stories, that are inspiring people through different means, and they're able to reach them in that way. But Torah, you would argue, and I, w- I would not argue with you on this, is on a completely different level and really has the deep uh, understanding, and the deep possibility to change someone from within. As you say, you revealed, and you mentioned this in the book, Like you're talking about the the real you, the essence of you, can be changed if you use a Torah approach.
1: Correct. The other thing I'd argue, Nakam is we have the greatest psychologists in history, in our ancestry. You read Revolba, you read Revdesler, um, you read uh, the Sif Chayim. You read the Khivasalvavas, I mean I always tell people if if I translated the Khavisalvavis into pure English, took all the Torah out and put it out there with double bay or penguin, it would be a bestseller. Right. the the our our Masora has so much deep psychology in it. Right. And and so why why not? Why right. not learn it <laughs> so so the soul at the same time so
0: someone who gravit someone in our community who understandably would gravitate to a therapist and i'll use that word with a small t for a moment you know somebody who they bounce things off of would gravitate toward that person you know and and, and be- because because you would assume that that the more they are familiar with our way of life the more they're familiar with how our family and 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 and, and, uh, and, uh, and tradition works the the better off you are going to someone who understands that the more that person is steep, like you just said. You know, as as if they are educated by the uh, the Balimuser, as if they're you know have a deep Torah understanding as so many of our great rabbis do. The more they are steeped in that, it is very possible. The more they're going to be able to help people in our community who come to them for advice.
1: Unbelievable that you said that. I've had over the years many therapists call me um, because I've I've met with people who needed help. And they were being seen by therapists, and and the therapist called me and said they met with you two or three times, and I the, the results were remarkable. What are you doing? What are you telling them? And I and I've educated many therapists on how you can you can embody both Torah and traditional therapy all in the same. Right. Many therapists have bought this book. Many therapists have written to me. Ideas such as such as quieting the mind, ideas of, of developing mission and meaning in life, these are, these are such deep concepts that change the mindset of the person. So I encourage therapists to read this book and then look back at the Torah and say, even though you went for a secular education, there's so much that the Torah has that can help you help others.
0: Naftali Horowitz is with us. The book is called You Revealed, A Torah Path to a Life of success. Now, I, I don't know you well. Essentially, we've only met in this unusual forum, frankly. Uh, but it's well known that you're managing director of the nation's largest investment bank. And obviously, you're surrounded by a lot of what people would call material success. Can only someone like you... Write this book. In other words, I understand that you're th- the point you're making. That someone who's steeped in Torah and has has been enveloped by a Torah atmosphere their entire life can give the best advice when it comes to someone searching for you know the inner self. I get that. But are you? I, maybe I should put it differently. Are you at an advantage because you have dealt really with both worlds and you come from our tra- traditional background? But in addition to that, you have been in the you know the the real action-packed world. Of finance, is there a tremendous advantage to having you as the author having been in both arenas?
1: That, the answer is undoubtedly yes, um, because uh, for a few reasons. One is I have the credibility, there are things that I write in that book about the material world where, you know, when my rebbes used to tell me that money doesn't buy happiness and that there's really nothing to it, I. You know, we always thought in the back of our minds, maybe subconsciously, of course, because he doesn't have any and he doesn't come across it. Well, I can write an entire book on that one chapter alone, which I touch on in the book, because I've seen it all. Um, The second reason is, is that, you know, I remember I was once teaching a care of class in the city and I was talking about the real world the real world, and some guy got up in the back of him and says, Rabbi, what do you know about the real world? He didn't know where I was. And I said, what don't I know about the real world? And I let him know what I do during the day. So that, that I think is one reason. The other reason is, is that because I am who I am, people come to me. People um, want to hear what I have to say. Unfortunately, sometimes people want to hear what a managing director, J.P. Morgan, has to say more than a pulpit rabbi. And I understood that when I was young, which is probably one of the reasons that one of the things that drove me to do what I do, which is you can effectuate more change from the corner office than you can from the mail room right so I have met with thousands of people, and I have helped all those people through issues, and they came to me because of who I was, and had I just been a Torah Jew alone. I'm
0: not sure they would have come to me. Yeah, so, and, and, I mean, it's sort of like, you know, many people would enjoy hearing, you know, a star basketball player who's now from talk about Frumkite compared, exactly. compared to hearing a rabbi tell you, you've got a certain level of celebrity, Naftali Horowitz. What can I tell you? <laughs> and, that, and that and that attracts people uh, to hear what you have to say. Now, y- you got to, I mean, there's, there's so much, as I said to you off the air, there's so much I could discuss. I think we could do a 10-part series, frankly, on so many of the things you write about. But we have limited time this morning. But I got to get to this. You know, you just. uh, What does it mean? What does it mean that money doesn't buy happiness? Is is the opposite true? Are most of the people you deal with who have millions in the bank are they depressed? Are they sad? Are they are they dissatisfied with life? What what, is there a balance where someone can just you know, money may not be buy happiness, but thank God, nonetheless, they're able to find happiness from other avenues. How would you? describe the, the, the um, Rashi and Tosfos on that famous money-doesn't-buy-happiness? It's a great question, Nachum.
1: So I have very, very happy clients. I have very, very fulfilled clients. I have very, very depressed clients and empty clients. I have come across some of the most extraordinarily wealthy people that are so miserable and some of the most extraordinarily wealthy people that are so fulfilled. It isn't the money that is bringing the happiness and the fulfillment. Money is an enabler. Money is a something that you can set your sights on and say, I want it. But the question is why? If a person lives with a higher meaning to their life, with a higher purpose to their life, money can facilitate so much fulfillment and happiness you can give so much more you can you can help so many others you can do so many meaningful things with money or money can become a goal which destroys your entire life it can become this thing that you believe is going to bring happiness and fulfillment to you and then when you get it you find the opposite you find like you you feel like you were tricked and you feel empty and you feel like you wasted your life. So the clients that I work with that are extraordinarily happy, fulfilled people are those that leverage money and they do so many great things with it. They leverage fame and do so many great things with it. You talked about the basketball play that became came from. I have clients that have gone through such incredible things with their fame and their recognition. They've helped so many people. They sit on so many boards. They're the, they're the chairman of organizations. People come to them for advice. They don't have a minute. I have clients that are retired that don't have a minute. They get up six o'clock in the morning and they go to sleep at night exhausted. Their phones don't stop ringing. You would think that these people are coasting through their, their retirement years. And they're so busy reaching out and
0: helping others and, when, and providing. And, and when they say and, nothing makes them happier than to do that, they, they mean it. It's not a line. They
1: they really mean it because until you've tasted real happiness and fulfillment and you've bought into the four-pas, fake, transient, artificial one that a quick fix money could buy you, you don't really know. You're not a connoisseur. So. I work with some of the most incredible people, some of the most successful people, people that I've learned so much from. And, yes, they are wealthy, but I could tell you that I've learned just as much from some of the poorest people that I know. Yeah. People that live every day like it's their last, and 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 they take advantage of time. and
0: And I was just thinking of some of the people I know from this neighborhood, frankly, who are among the happiest I've ever met. And have no money in the bank, but never stop doing things for others, and that's what makes them the happiest. So I guess it's like exactly. that on every level. Uh, exactly. Exactly. And, um, and and the the I mean I mean I I actually saw a story once, which I found to be unbelievable. I, I, I watched a story, a documentary about somebody who was homeless and won the lottery. And I'm not talking about three million dollars, look like a hundred million dollars, and yep. and lost it all. And his daughter was interviewed, and she said he was never happier than when he didn't have to worry about that money. He was happier being on the street without anything in the bank than when he had the $100 million and took a week to go through it. I, it's a I,
1: chapter in my book, Nachum. It's a chapter in my book about the lottery curse. And right. it's, such a, it's such a powerful idea. It is such a powerful idea on why that's true and how many clients have told me over the years Couples, we were so much happier
0: when we had so much less. What a powerful statement. What, what an unbelievable quote. Naftali Horowitz is with us. The book is called You Revealed, A Torah Path to a Life of Success, um, an Art Scroll release. And please, folks, when you order it today, com, use promo code radio. It's only to your advantage. Um, you know, I don't want to give people the impression that this book is all about money and happiness or so many other things you write about and... and and frankly, if I had to pick one word to describe this book, it would be potential. I, I think you're trying to help people reach their potential. You're trying to give them the confidence they need. You're trying to give them the tools they need uh, to to really, you know, push away all the negativity and all the negative things that are in the way and and realize full potential. You know, uh, Dennis Prager always says happiness is a choice. I I, I think that in your book. I learned that mediocrity is a choice. If someone is mediocre, if someone's not accomplishing, if someone feels lazy, if someone feels lazy and manifests, you know, and their life manifests their laziness, uh, I think that that you could argue that that, just like happiness, that that is a choice. Can can we say that definitively, that mediocrity is ab, a choice?
1: Ab, ab, first of all, you've you framed my book better than I could have. <laughs> the, the, the answer is exactly that. That's where the word revealed is. It, it, it's all about bringing out your potential, and without a question, mediocrity is a choice. My kids know that Tati's not allergic to food. He's allergic to mediocrity. Yeah. I tell my kids all the time, I'm not going to tell you what to do with your life. Just don't be mediocre. It's just, funny. Just excel.
0: It's excel. funny because in my house, the, the phrase is always work ethic. You know, again, pursue whatever you want, but, but, you know, take it seriously and go for it, you know, be passionate about it. And, and again, that's, that's, I don't want to say a cure, but it's certainly, you know, a different path than a mediocre one would be. But why is there so much media? And and let's assume for a moment, again, you're dealing with a lot of clients, a lot of people, a lot of people in the real world, quote unquote, who have made it. Is there a lot of mediocrity out there? So the, the, the definition of mediocrity is going to, is going to alter
1: depending on the person. And there are certain parts of our life where we're extraordinary and certain parts of our life where we are mediocre and we've settled for just being average. And, and as I write in the book, successful living and really being fulfilled is coming to a place of self-actualization, which means that we've brought out the potential in all the areas of our life. And that's what... that's. I have a client, she's, she's turning... I mean, it's unbelievable. She's turning 92 and this woman doesn't stop. Things that she couldn't do last year, she can do this year. And she has a plan for next year and the year after and the year after that and the year after that. I've watched this woman become a sculptress at 87. I watched her write a book at 89. So there people people have to appreciate that. Time and life are so precious. You, you actually that,
0: you actually write in the book you were frustrated with someone who said to you, well, I'm already 40 or 50, whatever figure was, whatever the number was, but you felt that was a terrible response when you were asking about you know their accomplishments and what they're trying to do.
1: Exactly. Every day of life is precious. I mean, what difference does it make how old you are? We can accomplish with time the same no matter how old we are. So going back to your question, so... I have clients that are extraordinary in certain areas and could be making money, could be in philanthropy, but they have work to do in other areas, such as getting along with their children, right. such as, you know, treating their spouses with respect, or so on and so forth. And, and the, therefore, they are extraordinary and mediocre at the same time. So, you know, the book is meant to open up the person to this vista, to this idea that potential lies in every area of their life and that they should be looking constantly for growth.
0: Uh, you mentioned the categories that we're always striving for, and again, whether it's right to strive for them or not is another story, but the reality is we're always striving for money, right, wealth, and I think that we would say that's even beyond Parnassa because you probably have met people that have you know, money in the bank to live on and have a good Parnassa but feel it's never enough. Uh, the, you talk about fame and celebrity, right? You're always looking for a to advance in that area where – Where you know people would, I guess we'd call it more notoriety. Would that be what the desire is to have more notoriety? Correct. And and that's and that's I guess again just like money, not always a bad thing. Just depends on your approach to it, right? Depends on how you exactly. Depends on how you. Is is there another category, or are those the two basic things that human beings, especially in this country and the way the media brainwashes us, those basically the two things that people are after?
1: Yes, and I think you know probably pleasure.
0: Um, right, 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 right. I forgot. Oneself. I forgot about. Recre- I forgot about recreation. And boy, do you give it to us over the head of the book about recreation time. The the U S. the U S. has destroyed the human neshama with, with the with the right. with the incredible uh, notion that one. And, I, and I, by the way, I'm not in any way minimizing. You know, getting away when necessary, and <laughs> you know, grabbing a break with your wife and family, and you know, having a nice vacation. But you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about. Uh, uh, of course. How recreation. I course, I
1: I, write, I, I quote Rashid Tal in the book, who says that you know the biggest challenge of today's generation is that we think we're here to have fun and enjoy ourselves, right? And 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 just take it easy. Um, but
0: that doesn't bring fulfillment and pleasure because there's a That's difference. Because a, about before. Because there's a difference between fun and happiness. That's correct. Right. That's correct. Yeah. Well, that makes there's sense. There's a big
1: difference between entertainment and fulfillment.
0: Right. Uh, you attribute it to the satan. And, and again, in our, uh, in our community, uh, with our orientation, that makes sense because we know that there is this evil inclination that's within us. But you, mm-hmm. you attribute to the satan quotes like, oh, who has the time and energy? Oh, what's wrong with being average? Oh it's just too difficult. I'm too strong I'm, uh, uh, it's just too difficult. I meaning the Sutton, I'm too strong, you'll never succeed. Oh, I don't have any muzzle, right? The Sutton convinces you that that the stars are never aligned with you and no matter what you touch, you know, it doesn't turn to gold. It goes you know goes the other way. It, 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 I mean, this God put this in us, right? God put this this right. this uh, unbelievable force. You know, even on the laziness front that you that you um speak about, you know, it, as as much as one tries to convince themselves that this is a bad thing, that I'm lounging around and doing nothing, uh, and, and to the detriment of my family very often, right? You write about that, how there are people who, you know, who need to get up, get a job, and, and make sure their family doesn't go homeless, and that doesn't in- inspire them enough to get out there. The power of this evil inclination is, is enormous, and I think that that might be an important reality we have to face before trying to fix things, right?
1: Yeah, so... Um I I turned the Sutton into my adversary, and I want to turn the Sutton into everyone's adversary, because as I write in the book, and I touch on some very deep things in there, we each have a very powerful sphere in us called Netzach, the sphere that drives us to win when we know we're in a competition. And I use this approach for myself and others so successfully. Most people associate those thoughts and those feelings and those put-downs with themselves, and therefore they tolerate them. And when you tolerate the voice of, I can't, someone else can, your life is going to be one long stream of mediocrity, if not worse. Yeah. So the way you turn that around is you start to recognize that you're in, a, you're in a battle, you're in a confrontation, and the last thing you want is your enemy to win. And the Rebellion put the something in us, because that is how we earn the next world, and that is... That is the challenge that we overcome, that builds us to be greater people. And I think that the thing that clicks in people's minds sometimes and that turns their life around, and I've seen this miraculously happen, is once I show them who they're listening to and what that thing wants their life to look like. That gets you angry. And it should. It, it should. And then you go to battle. But
0: but that's but that's that's the fear. I think it should get you angry. I think, unfortunately, in too many cases, it doesn't. Correct. But it should get you angry. And
1: then you, if you if you don't realize who it is, you end up hating yourself. Yeah. You end up putting yourself down. It's not you. You, as I write in the book, and as I outline in the beginning, you are much. You are beyond that, beyond any word. You are a Holy Spirit, and you have unbelievable potential and capability. Yeah. Something inside of you is trying not to let that happen.
0: The book is called You Revealed. Naftali Horowitz is with us. There's two things I must get to before we wrap up. The first is, uh, I mean, look, I've been talking about you know so many things that your book is centered on. I haven't even mentioned self-confidence yet. How, how does one... Um, and by the way, remember confidence, like many other things is something that's deeply rooted. It could be from, you know, experiences from when you were a kid. Uh, it could be for the way, you know, parents handled somebody. I mean, you know, self-confidence is one of those things that's really, you know, a lifetime battle. I would say, uh, somebody comes in and to you, it's obvious that there's a lack of self-confidence and this would be a tremendous boon for them if they were able to incorporate some confidence into their lives. What approach do you use? How do you get them to turn that around?
1: So, I had a long call yesterday. I've had several long calls the last few days with people that read the book and called me. And I would say that 75% of the people that I speak to that are struggling, struggle with self-confidence, self-esteem, um, confidence. There's so many words that we throw around. and right. it's, it's a topic for an entirely different book. Really, it is. And I don't really take that apart all that much because this book is meant to to really touch on those things without sounding like a, psych- a psychology book. Um, so the answer is, I, there are some very deep things in that book. And the first thing I want to encourage the reader is to learn the book. Uh, we, we're used to reading books, and just, you know, we read them and we expect them to change us. But uh, real change doesn't come from reading, it comes from learning. And many of the people that have written to me that have already read the book said, "I read the book, and now I'm going back to learn the book." <laughs> so there's there's several chapters in that book that really take apart from a deep, deeper sense what self-confidence and self-esteem is. And the way I wrote this book is the way I think. When I, when I was a kid, I used to, you know, my my father would say, "Oh, the vacuum cleaner is broken," and I try to figure out how the vacuum cleaner is supposed to work. What are, the, what are the mechanics of the vacuum cleaner? And then I'd fix it. Um, and that's kind of the way I, I think about self. So where does confidence come from? Where does self-esteem come from? I write about that in the book. But I think the most powerful idea that I share in that book is in one of the deepest chapters that I rewrote probably ten times. And that's the idea of the ten spheros and the idea of building confidence by taking tasks and completing them, any task. Confidence is built on success. Success is built on finishing something. It doesn't matter what it is. And when, when people look at this huge mountain called life or whatever achievement they're trying to tackle, and it's this big overwhelming thing, they just cower away and go back to their comfort zone. Yep. But when you give people tasks that are bite-sized, and that they can succeed at, it doesn't matter what it is, and they focus all their attention on succeeding at one thing, that begins the kernels of self-confidence. If I can do this, I can do that. If I can do that, I can do that. Because the person you,
0: right, cause the person who feels they're overwhelmed or expresses that they're overwhelmed usually is looking at a much bigger picture than what you're describing.
1: Exactly, and Reb Nachman of Bressel says it the best. He says that the Sutton wants us to look at this big thing and then just walk away. Hayoyim tishmo, says What can you do today to live more successfully? To get about tomorrow. The, the caller, that I, the person I spoke to yesterday, kept saying, and what's going to happen after that? And what's going to happen after that? And I said, nothing's going to happen after that. We're just focused on today's daf. To get about tomorrow's daf. Today's daf. Can we finish today's stuff? We can finish today's stuff. (laughs) When you do that, one day you wake up and say, oh, my gosh, I'm a different person. I'm going to finish off.
0: the uh, The famous sports radio announcer, Art Russ Jr., used to end his show by saying, yesterday's a canceled check. Tomorrow is a promissory note. Today's all we've got. So, exactly. and but and since you're in the world of finance, you, I'm sure you'll be inclined to use that quote now. But that's but, correct. But that is all we got. Finally, I, I got to ask you this before we wrap up. I mean, only because I think that that this topic is really prevalent and one that people are concerned about, especially in our community, where people I think don't really want to be lazy. I think people want to be motivated, but find themselves in, in ruts at different times. You write on page 265 laziness is rooted in fear of failure. Could you just explain that again, not medically, but could you explain the psychology? Why is it that somebody, you know, who who's acting in a lazy manner, it it's much deeper than just, oh, I don't have the strength or energy or desire to get up and do something. It's rooted in a fear of failure. How do you reconcile that?
1: So I dissect laziness into two categories. Um there is there's the laziness that comes from just wanting to underexert, feeling that comfort and pleasure and rest is a more comfortable place to be. That's one, one, one form of laziness. And the second one is fear of failure. The fear of failure is very, very deep-rooted. Deep down in the, in the subconscious of the person, they are afraid to think less of themselves, which is what will happen if they try and fail. So the expression of that is they're just lethargic, they're just hesitant, they procrastinate, and they themselves often don't know why. They, they'll tell you, well, I haven't made up my mind, or I'm too tired, or I'm, I'm, I'm unsure. And when you speak to them and you uncover and you unwrap what's really going on, they're just afraid of trying and failing. And then, and then what are they really afraid of? They're afraid that failure will tell them something about themselves that they don't want to know. Yeah. And they would rather not try, because not trying, to in, in, that, in that state of mind, they think won't bring failure when we all know that brings even greater failure. So I've seen this in so many people. Once they face that fear of, you know, failure, and I would say so what. Name me one successful person that doesn't have a string of failures, yeah. one after another. You you have to embrace failure. Failure is your friend.
0: <sighs> Boy, <laughs> you, you heard that sigh, huh? <laughs> failure is your friend. Sometimes hard it, to believe, frankly. It is, but you know what? We read it in, 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 in the success books of others. Yeah, no question about it.
1: I can write a book of just my failures. You it know, would be a lot than the one you're reading
0: now. You know, it's funny. You talk about our history, Tanakh, Talmud, etc. We We have so many personalities who overcame this or overcame that. I don't remember ever reading about someone who overcame laziness in our tradition. Like, I don't remember that ever being a, a thing that, that they made it known that they were afraid of failure or that they, you know, would rather not pursue. And they went, ahead. you know, it's funny because I could think of somebody that I know, you know, that I came across during my life who literally did what you just described who was who was you know who who became motivated to go and do something and accomplished a great deal and when confronted with you know you of all people i remember the first 20 years of your life you were doing nothing and and it came out basically like you know i just went for it i went for it and uh, and overcame this fear that i had to um to do something and not have it be a great success
1: and- my wife came home yesterday nachum from a an event that she helped host and she asked one of her friends to get up and speak and uh, she got up, and she did a marvelous job. And right after she finished speaking, one of the women came up to her and said, I can't believe you? You spoke? We were in high school. You never opened your mouth. And she said, right, that's when I was in high school. I'm no longer in high school. Right? So I remember the first time I had to speak in public. My okay. father put me up when I was 11 years old by my Bobby's yard site. I had all my first cousins sitting there waiting for me to make a fool out of myself. It was the most difficult audience I've ever spoken of, and I failed miserably. That's it. That is that is life. You fail miserably the first time, perhaps, or maybe not that miserably. <laughs> the successful people yep. learn something, brush themselves off, and they get up and they try again.
0: Yep. You go out on a limb because that's where all the fruit is, right? Exactly. You have uh, the best lines. I should have pulled the <laughs> book. It's all about age. Once, you, <laughs> once, you've, once you've been through the life experience of these years, you end up with a lot of good quotes. Uh, you revealed, is the name of the book, A Torah Path to a Life of Success. Naftali Horowitz is the author. Our friends at Artscroll have made it available worldwide at artscroll.com, and they've made it even more attractive for our listeners. When you go to the site, all of Artscroll's 3,000 titles, including this one, Naftali Horowitz, you revealed are available at 20% off and free shipping with no minimum. If you use promo code radio, and as I always say, continue to use promo code radio all the time. Uh, We want to make sure to be able to bring you these types of uh, conversations uh, for a long, long time. They only enhance um, the, the, both myself and the people listening in our audience. Dov, Tali Horowitz. I wish you the best of luck with this. Uh, I, I would assume that how long has this been out already? The book,
1: About a week and a half to
0: two weeks. And it sounds like you're getting amazing reaction already, so that's a good sign.
1: Yes, Baruch Hashem. Thank you so much for your time, Nacho. I really appreciate it.
0: Uh, My pleasure. It was really amazing, and uh, continued success, continued Hatzlacha to you. Naftali Horowitz, the book is You Revealed, and you're listening to a very special Wednesday edition of JM and the AM, and a reminder that our adventure through books continues this week. Tomorrow on this program in the 8 o'clock hour, it'll be the... uh, It'll be one fifth of the of the crew of five accomplished ladies who are behind between carpools. Their book is called Dinner Done. It's a brand new cookbook. We explore it tomorrow in the eight o'clock hour with Leia Shapira right here at J M in the AM.